if you do have a firearm, you're not haphazard with it so that the wrong person gets a hold of the firearm. So I hear you, Tia. I really do. I know that a lot of people are concerned about just having a firearm in their home. But when kids come to visit, when kids come for vacation or whatever, you have to be hypervigilant about it and say, I know that there is a firearm in this house and I can be held responsible. Okay, welcome to Black Addict, The Next Adventures with Gail and Tia. I'm Tia Price. And I'm Gail Brown. How are you, Tia? Oh, I'm so good. I'm so rested. Yeah, you just got back from a little trip, huh? Yeah, I went to Cambridge, Maryland, not that far from where I am. It's about an hour and a half, but went to this place called the Hyatt Regency Resort. It's a beautiful resort, has beautiful pools and outdoor activities. Little did I realize it was going to be 20 below. So it really wasn't a great time to be there. But we did get a chance to go to the Harriet Tubman Museum. Have you been out there? I haven't been there yet. It is definitely on my list, but I've heard a lot about it. Yeah, it's wonderful. But it got me to thinking about my roots. And I don't know if you remember, I'm from Shadyside, Maryland, Mm -hmm. my family is. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of far on the other side of the Chesapeake down in Anne Arundel County. And I used to go to my grandmother's house. She lived in a shack, I mean, a shack. There was no running water. We had, we wore, we pumped water. There was an outhouse. There was nothing to use but a pot sometimes. We fished, we crabbed. That was it. I mean, no electricity. And I would go there every summer. And one of the fun things I loved to do was she had this BB gun. And I would run around with a few cousins and we would shoot at trees. Thank God, not at each other, but we'd shoot shoot at trees, these BB guns. And it was just such a fun activity. I would spend hours outside (laughs) swinging on the swing, shooting guns and having a great time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had my experiences with BB guns. You know, I'm scared of guns. And, you know, I will tell you a little story about a BB gun. We had a BB gun because we had a groundhog or something that kept coming in our yard. So my husband would always take out the BB gun and try to scare it away, but it would always come back, but he kept it, you know, in the draw. And one day my son got a hold of it and it just terrified me. It terrified me. And so I am scared of guns. I do not like guns. You know, my godson was a victim of gun violence and I just don't like them, but I feel I am an open-minded person and I am always willing to listen to other opinions. And that's why I'm so glad we have our guests today, because I think we both have questions about, you know, gun control, possession of guns, gun Uh safety, education, and all like that. Yeah, I'm excited also, because like I was saying, I don't think I've handled a gun since I was about 10 or 11. I mean, it was a silly little thing that we did. And back then, it wasn't the gun violence that is out here today in our right. world. It was mm-hmm. just a, something you did. You weren't afraid if somebody had a BB gun. But now I think things have changed. So I'm, I can't wait yeah. to hear from our guest. Yeah. Well, let me introduce her. Javondalyn Dunnigan is the founder and CEO of JMD Defense, located in Chicago. She retired as a United States probation officer in January of 2016 after a distinguished 25-year career. And as a safety educator, Javondalyn is passionate about training professionals, businesses, and nonprofit organizations in workplace safety 
and emergency operations procedures. She's also a certified firearms instructor, range safety officer, and a distinguished expert shooter with the NRA Marksmanship Program. Javon Delane, who we know from school, has an amazing background with gun education. She is committed to offering services to customers and clients with an uncompromising level of integrity. She is considered a trailblazer in the firearm community and safety industry and has received several awards for empowering women in the area of safety education and responsible firearm ownership. And she's, in addition to being on Black At It, she has also been highlighted on other radio and print media interviews. So welcome, Javondalyn. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Yes. And let me just ask real quick, you're the owner of JMD Defense, which is, again, impressive. And we've read all about this. And you are focused on providing self-defense tips and information to women, in particular Black women. And tell us a little bit about that. So when I worked as a federal probation officer, I was afraid of firearms. That sounds really crazy, I'm sure, to most people. But they gave us an option about carrying firearms. And early in my career, the federal criminal was very different, very non-threatening in a lot of ways. And so I felt pretty safe. And then I got promoted early in my career. So I didn't need to go into the field and I didn't have a lot of interaction with offenders. But I still had this knowing or this desire to learn, but I was still afraid. So when I finally signed up for the training close to retirement, like three years before retirement, I made it through the training. I was the only person in class, but I fell in love with guns and shooting. And I think the reason why I did is because the mystery was gone. I learned the proper way. But what I also realized the second year after I took the training and had to go to qualify, I observed how the women officers interacted on the range And how the men did. It was a competition for the guys and for the ladies. They were very concerned about how do I improve? What did I miss? So that's when this interest peaked. And I realized that we learn differently with such an intimidating topic. And that's how I got interested in this. Uh Okay. And so shortly thereafter or whenever you retired, did you think that you would go into, you know, gun safety and education program that you would start? Was that your plan? (laughs) No, it was not my plan at all. Mm -hmm. What happened, I bought a firearm after I retired and started going to the gun range. Mm -hmm. But what I noticed was I noticed white women with men at the range, but I never saw African-American women, certainly Mm -hmm. not in a group. And we know being in the sorority, we do a lot of things in groups or Mm -hmm. even just with our friends or family, but I never saw a group of ladies at the gun range. So that kind of piqued my interest. And then I Mm -hmm. also started noticing that people that were carrying firearms, as I talked casually to people, I would ask them, well, how often do you go to the range? And they would say, well, I don't really go to practice. So all of this kind of started turning in my head saying we need firearm education because I'm afraid that people are out here carrying guns and they don't have a clue. And then I thought about there has to be women just like me that used to be afraid of firearms that want to go to the range. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much how the business was birthed. Now, you've mentioned that you noticed Black women, let's say, or women like us, weren't necessarily coming to the range often. Is there something you've noticed about us that we aren't interested in participating or learning about guns or 
even, you know, shooting at ranges? Well, I think it's because, you know, guns have been vilified in our community and really guns have two purposes for recreational self-defense. So we need to have firearms if you choose to. I think at some point people need to know how to use them. If they are afraid of firearms, they need to learn how to use them just for general purposes, right? So I think in our community, because we have so much crime, like Gail said, her godson was killed. And then certainly my mother was afraid of guns, so she passed that fear down to me. So it's just pervasive in our community where we need to think about, do I want this firearm for self-protection? And it's as simple as that. Not, I'm not, I've never been a pro-gun person. I just never would have thought this would be my assignment that God would give me. And here I am, passionate, love talking about it because I want people to, if they want to carry a firearm, to do it the right way and not hurt themselves or, of course, leave a firearm out for a child to um, pick up. Right. A firearm or a BB gun. <laughs> so, Javondalin, you mentioned in an earlier conversation we had that, you know, you didn't see any black women at fire shooting ranges, but now black women are the fastest demographic buying guns. So, you know, in just this, what, five, six years, things are really changing. And do you think it's because, you know, it seems like crime is always on the rise? Well, I think one of the reasons is that more Black women are not married, or even if they are married, we're traveling a lot of times to and from our destinations by ourselves, or our spouses may not be home. So people in general are concerned about their safety. So it, mm-hmm. it is the spike in crime, which is happening all over the world. But I think it's also becoming, I don't want to say it's becoming cool. It's just that fear is leaving because more women are becoming firearm educated. So in Mm -hmm. my, I started a a gun club, Ladies Still Gun Club, and literally every lady that came through the door with the exception of two, and now we have 550, probably 58 ladies, 558 ladies in the gun club. They were all afraid of firearms. And I just think that once one lady says to her neighbor or her friend or her sister, hey, I'm in this club, they're helping me to work through my fear, it just brings the next person along. And slowly we're getting to the point where we're getting through and working through our issues regarding guns in our community. Mm-hmm. So you said you're 558 women in the Ladies of Steel Gun Club, and that's in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Is yes. What is their motivation? Why are they there? What are they getting from this experience? So it's interesting. I asked the ladies, have you been a victim of violence? What was your motivation? Because that would be the thought that these ladies have been a victim or they are um, domestic violence survivors. And I can't tell you, but maybe one or two individuals that said that they were a victim of a carjacking and this is why they came to learn how to shoot. Really, I think what's great about us is that we are proactive. They want to learn so that in the case that something happens, in the event that something happens, certainly they would be prepared. So what they're getting out of it is every month we take them to the gun range. Not all 550 is whoever (laughs) signs up, right? But we're there with an instructor and we're helping the ladies as they're practicing. And a quick story, I had an 80, she's got to be 80 something years old and she was shaking and terrified and I was holding her hand and patting her back and I said, you got this, you could do it. And she's married, but she came about 20 miles to the gun range at 6 p.m. at night in the dark. But she said, I want to learn how to shoot. So 
Once a month also, we have a firearm education meeting on Zoom, and we bring in a speaker to talk about anything related to firearms. So what they're getting is this ongoing education that they would never look for on a regular basis. And they're getting that one-on-one instruction. It's not for the full hour one-on-one, but you do have an instructor there that can help you during that hour. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you say you have clients, you have one who's about 80. How old is your youngest member or when is a good age to start teaching people, young adults, children about gun safety? So in the gun club, my daughter is the youngest. She's 25. But I just started teaching young people privately. I took them through an intro to firearms class and the youngest is 12. That's the youngest that I'll go at this point because it's a maturity level as well. So what they have to Mm -hmm. do is take an intro to firearms class. It's about two Mm -hmm. and a half hours. The parent is in the class with them so that they Mm -hmm. can hear. And in one of the classes, one of the young men talked about how he sneaks in and out the house. And I shared a story and he started shaking and crying. He admitted it after I told this story about if a family member has a gun in the house, everybody needs to know you have to have that conversation with your child because a police chief, I believe in Texas, came home one evening early from work, didn't know that his stepdaughter had been sneaking in and out the house. And when she came back in, he shot and killed. her. Mm. So this young man told the story to his parent. And that's why the parents need to be in training so that they all hear the same information. So after the class, we take that individual, that student and their parent to a one-on-one, one-hour training at the gun range. And it's amazing to see the young people when that gun is shot, they understand the power behind it. They see the hole that it go, you know, that goes in the target and they really get it at that point. And the Mm -hmm. last thing I'll just say is when they leave the range, I tell them, do not tell anybody that you were at the gun range. Do not show a picture of that target to anyone because we don't want the school to misinterpret what your parents are doing. And I hate to say that as African-American families, it may be misinterpreted, but in white communities, they take their kids to the range. They're very young, but we don't want our kids to go to school. And then they're showing a gun target not understanding the context behind what happened. The parent is just trying to get them to a point where they understand this is a safety tool and not a toy that you take to school. Mm -hmm. Have you ever approached schools, you know, board of education leaders in the educational arena about teaching kids about gun safety? Or is that just not a good combination yet or an acceptable combination So, you know, across the country, it's been some debate after Sandy Hook and some of the um, mass shootings, if teachers should be armed. So Mm. personally, I don't believe they should, as well as domestic violence victims. They have to be ready because I don't want them to just shoot somebody because they're afraid. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to be Mm -hmm. mentally ready to do this. And so I don't go to schools to approach them to talk about firearm safety. I could leave that up to the police officers because I don't want to encourage certain things. Like I would love to talk about the airsoft firearms so that they understand what not to do and how to interact with the police. So I take it from a different standpoint and I have approached some schools and some have, you know, not been as interested, but I just moved to a new community mm-hmm. and I think this community might be receptive. And that is my next plan of action to reach out to the schools to take, but firearms is such a hot button topic, even in communities that are pro firearms, because when it comes to kids, as we heard what happened in Michigan, we don't want children to see it as a toy or to use it as a tool for a bully. Mm -hmm. It's a tightrope that I have to walk. 
You know, I saw on your website, it was a testimonial and someone said they were thanking you for all your education, but they were feeling more comfortable in a, what they said, gun world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I want you to talk a little bit about that because that's more of my fear. I'm thinking if I go out and get a gun, I'm adding to more guns, you know, I'm going out and here, now there's another gun on the street and there's another gun on the street. And I think that's why I've always been hesitant as I'm hearing you talk. I'm thinking maybe it's something to build confidence if I understood how to use it, but talk a little bit about that gun world we live in. You know, I hear that a lot from people. They say, well, now we're adding more firearms and now you're teaching kids about firearms. And the the whole point of what I'm supposed to be doing, which I know is my assignment, is the education piece. So if you have a firearm, I never would have thought that I'd be carrying a gun every day, all day. But if you do encounter a situation where there is a firearm and you don't know what to do, you're going to be at a disadvantage. So It's very simple. We just want you to understand that firearms don't kill people, that people kill people, right? And they use that firearm in the incorrect way. We go as far as saying when you're driving in your car and you can't go in the hospital with your gun, are you securing it properly? Is that gun under the seat in, you know, are you driving it with it on your lap? You know, is it in the back seat? So I cannot stress enough the education piece so that If you do have a firearm, you're not haphazard with it so that the wrong person gets a hold of the firearm. So I hear you, Tia. I really do. I know that a lot of people are concerned about just having a firearm in their home. But when kids come to visit, when kids come for vacation or whatever, you have to be hypervigilant about it and say, I know that there is a firearm in this house and I can be held responsible. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. So, Javondalyn, you teach not only gun safety, but self-defense situational awareness. Do you ever evaluate your clients and say, "Mm, this person may not be ready for some gun education. Let's shift him or her to situational awareness training, you know? Yes. So I have a couple of examples of individuals that I know very well who said they wanted to take class. And I Mm -hmm. said to both of them, it was a difficult conversation, but it was necessary. I said, you're not ready and I'm not going to teach you. And it was difficult, but it was easy because I thought about the liability. I sleep very well at night knowing that everybody that I've taught that I've done the best that I could. Now, there are a couple of times when people in class and say something off kiltered and I say, okay, let me try to you know, I do have degrees in social work. So I I talk about temperance and and try to help people work through stuff. But I did have those tough conversations with two individuals. And one of them took class two years later. And she said, and she told the class, Lynn told me I could not take this class. And you know why? Because of the interaction she was having with her husband at that time. And I was concerned. And then the other individual hasn't come yet. But what is doing her in are her um, Facebook posts. So I'm watching, not intentionally watching people, but I knew when she said she was wants to take class and told everybody I'm coming to take class with Lynn. I was like, when she calls, I'm going to have to either refund the money or tell her I can't take your money. So I just have said to people, I don't take everybody's money. If you're not ready, I'd rather you wait. I want to teach you when you're ready. And I might do a one-on-one just so I can really talk through some things. But this particular individual I knew was not ready and and is still not ready. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. You know, I just wouldn't even have thought 
going that far, that's just so impressive to be able to take that next step. Because there's some people that would just take the money and just not care. But that speaks to your integrity, which you speak about on your website, jmddefense.com as well. And that's really, really impressive. I really mm-hmm. like that, that you mm-hmm. took that time. Yeah. Thank you. I did have a real a guy that made me very uncomfortable, didn't know him. He called and he was asking questions, but he sounded unstable on the phone. Mm. And I was trying to explain to him how I operate and what I do. And he just kind of snapped. And I knew that he was not somebody I was going to take his money. And I just said, you know, I don't think this is the class for you. You could probably Google other instructors. So he called back, tried to curse me out and I hung up. And then I, of course, was a little bit more vigilant about people coming in and out. But it was something about something that I felt in his conversation that led me to say, this is not quite right. Because in the end, I believe if there is a shooting, the courts, and if I was an attorney, I'd say, where did you take class and what was the environment? And I would pull that instructor right in class to say, what did you teach these people? You know, Uh what was this person's demeanor? So I do try to operate with integrity, but I also know that if that firearm is shot, that bullet has a lot of names on it and my name would be attached if I, you know, I'm reckless with this task, this business that I have. Right, right. Another example of why you have to trust your gut. Yes. (laughs) Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, you were talking about having kids in the house and being hypervigilant. Is it your finding or research that shows that a lot of these people that buy guns don't get education? Oh, absolutely. So I'll give you a good example. During the pandemic, when we all had to shut down across the world, I guess, People were running out buying guns. They were flying off the shelves. People were finding guns in their home, their grandpa's gun, and they were going and buying ammunition. And everybody had a gun, but people did not have training. So I created an intro to firearms class that we could do online. We were all at home and we used Zoom and we were trying to teach people saying that if you went out and bought a gun, you need to know some basic safety information. So yes, it is unfortunate that um, people buy guns, and there's no mandate that you learn anything about the firearm. In a lot of states, you don't even need a permit to buy a gun. It's just they're like permitless states, and you just go out and buy a gun because it is our Second Amendment right. But some states have put some measures in place, thank God. But yeah, most people can just go buy a gun, and that's it. That's all. Wow. So if you could, I didn't realize yeah, that. I don't know why I'm thinking like a car. You have to have a license. You have to mm-hmm. go to classes, something. Well, in Illinois, with in order to, right. If you want to carry the gun in Illinois, you have to take the two-day concealed carry class that I teach. If you just want to purchase a gun, we do have a first step, which is a permit that we require in Illinois. But that permit that is $10, which is not a lot of money, you don't have to take class after you get the permit to buy the gun. It's just like a basic background check. So you could you get the $10 permit, pay it, get the gun, and then that's it. And it's in your house and you can go shooting if you choose to or not. The other permit is $150. It's a two-day class and it gives you the right to carry it. But you could carry it for five years until it expires and never go to the gun range and never practice. So they don't mandate you practice until you qualify. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have any partnerships with any law enforcement agencies? Do you partner with the police or 
So I do not partner with anyone. I use my 25 years experience um, Mm -hmm. to kind of create what I'm doing. And what I'm excited about is when I do bring speakers in is when I partner with people. So I have asked police officers to come and talk to our gun club that for that month. And they talk about police interactions and what do you do? Because everybody remembers Philando Castile in Minnesota who was killed during that police interaction and legally was able to have a firearm. So Mm -hmm. I make sure that the police talk to my gun club and help them to understand how do you operate and interact with the police when you're stopped by the police. Um, Mm -hmm. I've reached out to the fire department and had a paramedic talk to them about gunshot wounds and what happens if you shoot yourself or you shoot someone else or what happens if you have a fire in your home and you have guns and ammo and how do you operate in telling, you know, what do you do as far as telling the firefighters on the scene about these guns in the home? So that's the partnership in some respects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I was thinking about, too, as to why I have never gotten a gun and wouldn't get a gun is because just even as a Black woman, so many things happen to you. I'll give an example. I was down in Baltimore and was followed one time, chased down an alley. I knew I was going to be attacked. I had that sense, and the person was saying things that made no sense. And I ran, but I often think that if I had a gun, I would use it. And I think the many things that happen to Black women has been so many times, you know, even at work or other things that have happened to me where I've been in danger, I think I would be frightened to use it or I'd get so emotional. Maybe I would just go ahead and do something that I didn't want to do. Does that ever come up in your conversations? Yes, it comes up a lot because the first thing people think about is, well, I have this gun, so let me use it. So what we do myself and my instructors, what I always say is don't go somewhere that you wouldn't go without a firearm. So you're always thinking split second decisions. If that bullet leaves the muzzle, will I regret it? So what I try to do, and this is where the situational awareness comes in and people try to say I'm paranoid, but I'm prepared. So I try to do a little bit of both. I'm always looking and thinking when I leave out of my business, Is there somebody around the corner? Maybe not, but I'm thinking that it could be somebody around the corner. And can I escape? Is my gun the first resort or is it my last resort? I don't want to shoot anybody. I really don't. But it's going to be me or it's going to be you, right? Now that I have this tool. But that a similar thing happened to me, Tia. I was driving one day and I felt like this car was being very aggressive, was following me. And I didn't know what was going to happen in the end, but I felt a, a sense of, protection because I had my firearm. Now, I'm going to tell you, most people, men especially, don't even assume a woman has a gun on them. So Mm -hmm. if something had happened and I felt the need to draw my firearm, he would have probably been stunned because I think he was intimidating me intentionally because I was a woman in this Mm -hmm. car. And you're exactly right. We experience all kinds of things that go on all the time. But I felt a sense of relief because I had something to protect me. And that was it. Now, if I didn't have the firearm, let me tell you what I tell people to do. Know where the police stations are. Just drive to the police station. And one other thing I tell people to do is in your car, we have programmable um, numbers, right? Most people do. So program one of those numbers to 911, because if somebody's chasing you, you don't have time to unlock the phone, look down, dial 911. I just will push a button. And that is what prompted me to do that. After that happened, I said, let me program one of these numbers to 911. So even when you don't have a gun, I didn't carry a gun 
my entire career into the last three years and I was still a supervisor and didn't go in the field. So I always had to think about what would I do because I don't have a gun. So that's what I tell ladies. Don't be stupid just because you have a gun. Be smart. Use your brain. And the gun is the last resort. Mm -hmm. So what do women say after taking your class? So how do they evolve? How do they change? So it is so exciting. Let me tell you why I can't show a lot of the ladies on Facebook and do the videos because they're afraid. They don't want people to know that they are in a gun club and they take they're, they're taking these classes. So but what I love to see is them coming in shaking and then gradually purchasing a firearm themselves and then buying more guns, which is really interesting to see them say, Lynn, I bought another gun. I bought another gun. But what's really nice is to see this level of empowerment that I didn't see. So they go from fear to empowerment, which is my story. And that's why I think it resonates. So when they leave, they call all the time and say, Lynn, oh my God, I appreciate what you're doing. I thank you. I mean, they're always saying that they are just so happy that they are at this point where they're not afraid and they're not all carrying the gun. They just are competent with the gun that they have in their home. You know, you're planning to retire, but you were not planning to go into gun safety. What were you planning to do upon retirement? I have no idea. (laughs) And I'm going to be real honest. I had a a deputy. She was my supervisor. And I've been Mm -hmm. real open about this. I really, it was a very stressful environment. I could have left at age 57, but I left at 49. Mm -hmm. And that was the earliest I could leave. And I said, I can't deal with this level of stress anymore. I'm going to figure it out. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I started doing um, federal background checks and it was a much more stressful job than I was working with criminals. So I stopped that and I didn't know. I just didn't know. But you know what I did know? That none of my friends were retired. And at 49, (laughs) I couldn't sit on the deck and water flowers and go to lunch (laughs) and meet people. So I knew I had to do something and I, I wanted to make money some kind of way. And this just fell into my lap. I just started going shooting. I didn't have anything to do. And a lady, I never forget this um, white lady walked up to me and she said, wow, you can really shoot. And I was like, oh, you just don't know how far I've come. And she said, you need to start a gun club. So literally I was like, I've been thinking about it. And so she kind of like confirmed it because uh-huh. it was already something I was thinking. Cause like I said, I would go to the range and never see any other women, but also what was interesting, I would go to the range with my cousin sometimes and they would think that he was there to teach me how to shoot, which was really amazing. I'm like, no, I'm the one that's retired law enforcement. He was helping me learn, you know, extra stuff, but it was just the, what was, ha- what, what I was noticing and how they were interacting with me at the range because I'm a woman. And they hardly saw us at the range. But now they see the gun club. We show up in our jean jackets, our hats, and um, our T-shirts that we are cute. We can shoot and nobody says anything. (laughs) I was going to say, what's the reaction? Is it just shock or people staring at you or are they welcoming? Because that's another thing. I wouldn't even go to a gun range. I'm thinking, quite honestly, it's going to be a bunch of white people that I'll be scared of and I'll just not fit in. Well, actually, the ranges that we go to are mixed and we are rock stars, to be honest. They've, I've gotten a lot of press because I'm a black woman in this field. And of course, my story was I used to be afraid of firearms. So they in Chicago, everyone has heard about the ladies of steel. When they see us, they give us a lot of respect. And what the guys at the range say that work there, they say that you all are very safe. They have observed our ladies when they're there without me. 
and they all give us kudos. And so I know what I'm teaching works. And I am a strong believer that women should not carry guns in their purse. And so we just, you know, and they know I, I preach that from day one, because how many times are we somewhere, you go over someone's house and the first thing you do is you put your purse down, you go in the kitchen, you're talking, and then that gun is unattended. Or if somebody comes up to rob you, they have your firearm, they're going to take your purse. And so I just love to hear the kudos about the gun club because the ladies are doing it right. They're listening and, mm-hmm. and they're learning. And I do feel comfortable. I know when there's a shooting and they tell me it's a woman, I'm like, I don't think it's one of my gun club ladies. Javondalyn, have you ever had the situation where one of your gun club ladies has used their firearm and injured someone badly? No, someone. Okay. No, no (laughs) one has um, called. They've called with a close call. One lady said that a guy just came up to her. He was um, deranged and just kind of hit her. And she walked through the entire steps of, you know, is did this rise to the level for me to pull out my gun and shoot him? And she told her story to the gun club. We've had a lady that was carjacked and she's talked about the steps that she went through to just give up her car as opposed to pulling her firearm. So that's how I know that they're Mm. thinking things through. And I tell ladies all the time. Think it through ahead of time so you'll know what you're probably going to do. You always want to be thinking about it and be aware that I have this gun. I'm going to use it, but maybe I won't. And Mm -hmm. don't make it the first response whenever something has happened. So they've been victims, but they've not pulled their firearms. Now, I would hate to say this. Most guys are the ones that are involved in these shootings when they're carjackings in Chicago because they're pulling their guns. It's the ego thing. And when I have trainings and I'm trying to talk the guys down, oh, it's unbelievable. They, you can't help them to understand why you can just jump out the car, give up your gun. I mean, give up your car. Your car. They mm-hmm. want to fight. They want to argue. They want to, you know, and I just tell them, I'm not going to debate. This is about your life. And whatever you want to do is your choice. So it sounds like, which is in most cases, women handle things more intelligently than men do. <laughs> I'm carrying. <laughs> I think that so, to be true in most situations. In most situations, <laughs> we take time to think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me ask you this also. Now, we're talking a lot about gun ownership or having a gun or practicing with a gun, but what other tips would you give people as far as self-defense period? Should we be taking courses routinely? Where should we park? You know, any kind of tips that you could add for our listeners? Okay, this is the other part that I just love and I'm passionate about. So what I do, I don't anticipate being carjacked. I pray I've never carjacked. But one thing that I do here in Chicago, because you don't know where things are happening, I always drive with my purse in the trunk. So and then in my pocket is a coin purse with all of my identification and credentials and a little money. And then if something happens and I get carjacked, I'm jumping out the car but I have my gun on me and my credentials, right? Let's say I don't have a gun, but I have my credentials. So that if I'm carjacked and they retrieve my car, they're not breaking into trunks. So my purse is fine, right? And a lot of times when I go in a store, I don't even need to take my whole purse. So that's one tip. Just think about not carrying your purse 
on, I mean, in the car, because your natural inclination is somebody tries to carjack, you're going to try to reach for whatever your valuables are in the car. The second thing I always talk about is when we go out of town on um, to travel, people leave their brains at home. They never think about criminals are traveling to or criminals are everywhere. <laughs> so I always put there's an app called the Citizen app. And you can put the location on there. So when you're out of town, when I was at homecoming, it had it popped up and told me where crimes were near our hotel. So I always want to know what's going on around me in case somebody says, hey, I'm going to go walking or running in the neighborhood. Hey, you might want to, you know, think about that because this app just told me that maybe, you know, that something happened the other day. Um, and it's and called then, Citizen? Citizen, Citizen app. app. Okay. Citizen app. And so that's a really good tool for you to have in your neighborhood and then leave your location services on. So when you travel out of town, the other thing that I love to talk about is when we go out of town and we stay in hotels. Now, let me talk about Airbnbs quickly. Most times in Airbnbs, they have a lot of criminal activity and they don't report it. If you Google it, they'll talk about how much they have spent in settlements from crime. Most of the Airbnb owners do not change the locks, right? Or maybe if it's a cold, they probably don't change the code as often. So you could be in an Airbnb and not be safe because someone hasn't changed the locks. In hotels, think about all the times that the housekeeper cleans the room. The door is wide open. All of your valuables are exposed. You may run into the room and say, hey, I just left something high. Wave at the person. They don't know if it's your room or not. So I tell people when you first check into a hotel, make sure there no one's under the bed or in the closet. Every time we come in and out the room, you want to check that. Put your valuables and your luggage, keep it locked in the furthest corner in the room so that if somebody has to come in and they're rifling through your things there, you've drawn them all the way into the room in case you happen to come back. And I personally don't let the housekeepers clean the room for this very reason, because mm-hmm. they leave everything open. The other thing is, is we usually very, uh, I know we did it growing up. We're very loose with our kids when we're on cruise ships. And when we're at hotels, we tell them to run down the hall and get some ice. We leave the door jar or if God forbid, we had a sorority convention and we're going from room to room to room and we leave the doors ajar. Hotels are wide open spaces. In the daytime, people are walking in and out, in and out. Nighttime, people slip in and you rarely even see security. So you don't know who's on the floor. Mm -hmm. So I just tell ladies, you know, be careful when you're out of town, especially because we go out of town and get footloose and fancy free and forget that people are lurking and are just waiting to pounce on us. When we're at home, just a couple of things. I have an alarm on my home and I turn it on whenever I'm there so that when if a door opens or somebody comes to a window, I know that because the alarm is going to be activated. Mm-hmm. So that's my way of trying to stay safe. Also, bushes and lighting are criminals' best friends. So if you ha- I love landscaping, but nothing is to the point that is so dense that I can't see somebody standing there. And I don't like motion detectors. I prefer dust to dawn lights because if someone is uh, moving towards your house, and then they just stop, the motion detector goes off. So if you come out of your house, it pops on, but you don't know somebody's just been standing there kind of waiting. And criminals know our routines. So if you have a attached garage and you open that garage door, everything should be, you know, the car door should be locked. You should be ready to pull straight out. And if somebody's standing in front of my door and they got a gun, they're getting run over. Okay. So I just say, 
you know, think about the kind of lighting you have around your house. If you don't have an attached garage, most people do, then you want to make sure you have enough lighting. In Chicago, we have a lot of alleys. So we just want to make sure that you have enough lighting around your house. And I would do dust to dawn lights. Those are so much better and more effective. Okay. You know, you made me think about something when you say criminals are everywhere. The two times that I was followed and or, you know, attacked, I would even say, it was broad daylight. Mm-hmm. It was in the middle of the day. It was either at work. As I talked about, I was being chased down an alley. I ran and got past the security guard and the person went away. So another time I was targeted and I was walking down a street Somebody ran into me, ran up on me, and I looked at them and I had a funny feeling. So I crossed the street, mm-hmm. went on, the person somehow maneuvered, got behind me and lifted my skirt up, mm. attempted to take photos. I don't know if I told you this, Gail. Again, yeah, I remember this. To take mm-hmm. photos. I was terrorized. When I say I was terrorized, I didn't feel comfortable leaving that building for a year. Matter of fact, I told them they had to change my parking space. I was not going outside anymore. I don't think I walked anywhere. You know, it can be really terrorizing. Thank God no one attacked me, but I could have gotten attacked. But that just happened in broad daylight, mm-hmm. in the middle of the day. Yeah, a lot of crime now is happening all during the day at night. There was a time, you know, when we were growing up, they would say, get home before dark and you would feel safe. But now you have to have your head on swivel at all times. And that's why I say when you go on vacation or you even just running errands, people are everywhere and they are we're distracted. We're on our phones. You know, we have bags. All of these things are distracting us, but criminals are not distracted. And the other thing is, is a lot of times we will leave or go to a function. We might have a drink and we might, you know, not be tipsy. We shouldn't be driving like that or whatever. But what happens is criminals are not drinking. They are just as alert (laughs) as can be. So I'm not saying don't drink. I'm just saying, especially if somebody has a firearm, you need to make sure that your judgment is in question if you get stopped out of police. But Mm -hmm. I try to make sure that I am always alert because I don't want to get attacked. And I understand, you know, what you're saying to you. Things are happening all the time. And if I leave my office in the daytime or come in the day or leave at night, I am looking around trying to make sure because they know your routine. They see, mm-hmm. they know they as, soon as, I turn, as soon as I turn the lights out in my business, I'm, that means I'm leaving out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Javondalyn, you have given us some great tips. I love this. Have your head on swivel at all times. <laughs> I'm wow, telling my kids so that now. Have your head on swivel. But Javondalyn, thank you so much for uh, talking with us. We appreciate your perspective. You know, who knows? Maybe and it will take an adventure to a gun range. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but we Thanks. certainly do appreciate it. And, you know, I think you have a fantastic business. I'm proud of you for, you know, stepping out and doing something that you never thought you would do, you know, upon retirement. This is one thing that we try to stress and highlight with this podcast. Like women, you know, we could step out of our comfort zones and do something completely different. And this is what you're doing. So congratulations. Thank right. you, ladies. And I, I really admire that also saying, you know what, I've had it with this career that I've been in for such a long time. <laughs> and I think a lot of us are at that point where we've done things, we've done it again and, and again and again, we've done it well, mm-hmm. 
but it's time for a change. And what is so extraordinary is that you are providing a service. You're helping women, in particular Black women, get comfortable, gain empowerment, feeling confident about themselves. And I'm sure that translates not only on a gun range, but in other facets of their life because you're, you've taken on something new, you've, you've yep. conquered that fear. So that helps you in all ways that you probably can't even imagine. You know, yeah, you're building their confidence. Mm -hmm. yep. That's true. And I've heard that too. I've heard that as well. And some people have said, I'll check this off the list. I've always wanted to do it. I was afraid of doing it. And if I could just tell this one little quick story as, I, uh -huh. um, as mm -hmm. we wrap up, this has been great. I appreciate what you all are offering to all of us. One of my classmates, and you all may have heard this story because you live in the DMV and have lived in the area for a while. One of my classmates from high school was a victim of um, gun violence years ago. Mallory Lockett is her name. And um, her story's in the Washington Post. It's been probably now 15 years. And basically what happened, she and her boyfriend, her new boyfriend, had gone back to her apartment and the old boyfriend was in there and he was stalking her and she didn't realize it. And so at some point she was afraid of guns, but at some point she was able to kick the gun to the new boyfriend and he missed her cue, picked up the old boyfriend, picked up the gun and shot and killed him. Shot her several times, and but she survived to tell the story. So when I started the business, she said, Lynn, I want to tell my story so that other people can understand if I knew how to use that firearm. She was so afraid of it. And that's the whole point. Just even if people don't want to have a firearm around them, they need to know what to do in the event something like that happened. The good news, you know, unfortunately, what came out of this, the good part that came out of this was she and Tim Kane worked on legislation so that whenever criminals are moved from prison to prison, the victims are notified. So mm -hmm. that's the blessing. Mallory is now married, um, doing well in life, but I'm sure she always wonders what if if she knew how to handle that firearm. She's in the gun club yeah. now. She hasn't gone to the range. She said, I'm not there yet, but I want the education. So that's the whole purpose, the passion, the assignment God has given me. And I'm just grateful that I'm supposed to be doing this in retirement. But I am proud of you all for giving us this platform to be able to talk about all kinds of things. So thank you. Yeah, thank You're you. You're welcome. Thank and you. tell everyone how they can find you, you know, your website, your Instagram, whatever areas that they can find you and even learn uh, okay. some, and get some of this training. Okay. So some of our classes are online. And so that's available to um, women all over. My website is jmddefense.com. My Facebook is JMD Defense. You can follow me there. And then Instagram is JMD Defense LLC. So you could Google me and see and read a lot of the um, stories about the ladies as well that have overcome their fear. And if you are interested in taking an online class, certainly sign up and let me know. And if you ever come to Chicago, look me up ahead of time and then maybe we can go to the gun range for a lesson. So next time we come to Chicago, Tia, come on along. Yeah, come and on let's, along. Let's give Javondalyn a call and I'll be like shaking. <laughs> That's okay. And we have classmates here. Like my, baby, my baby gun days, I can shoot a gun. That's right. I, I was good. That's right. But we have classmates here, so we could do a whole class and they've all been nervous saying, I want to do it. And it, come on in town, bring mm -hmm. your show on the road. I'll take you all to the range. We'll take do a class, quick class first and then go to the range because we got to understand the education yeah. piece before yes. we start shooting. Absolutely. And I do appreciate that. So maybe it is time for all of us to 
at least get this education in, get yep. the education in. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're right. There's this an opportunity where I could see that same thing happen to me. The gun's there, and I'm just standing there, and I'm not going to touch it. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's so unfortunate. We want to make sure that we are educated and yeah. we're current. Quite frankly, you know, again, try something new. Try something that's going to give you some protection and some courage. I think that's a great idea yeah. if you're Thank interested. You. That is yes, <laughs> right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thanks, right. ladies. I appreciate you, the opportunity. Javandlin. Take care. Thank you. And remember to everybody, follow us on Instagram, Black Addict Podcast. Also join us in our Facebook, Black Addict Vibe Tribe on Facebook. Listen to our episodes on Spotify, Overcast for those Android lovers, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and look out for our upcoming events that we're going to be having and ways to connect. And if you need to reach either myself or Gail, you can always email us at blackaddedadventures at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll talk soon. Bye everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks ladies. Thank you. Keep your head on swivel.